If you need a turnkey professional development and team building experience for your company or community, LeaderCast Events is your answer. We provide the guidance, technology, and entertaining CEU accredited content for you to stream an in person or virtual event for your team. Welcome to the LeaderCast Podcast, a weekly deep dive into the stories that transformed our guests into leaders worth following. I'm your host, Joe Boyd. Today on the LeaderCast Podcast, it's Tunde Oyenane. She's a friend of ours. She was a presenter at LeaderCast Amplify. She's an author, Peloton instructor extraordinaire. You're going to learn a lot today, including how to kind of find your calling, what you're supposed to do with your life. She's going to talk about overcoming obstacles uh, like body image. And ultimately, you're going to find out how we met at Target when I was buying dog food. You're not going to want to miss that. Hi, Tunde. Hey, how are you? I'm good. Thank you so much for being with us. This is very exciting. So great to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Hey, you were amazing at our Amplify Women's event. Uh, thank you so much for being a part of it. I've heard so many, uh, so many good stories of folks that were impacted by your story, and it, it, uh, you killed it. It was awesome. It was amazing to have you be part of the LeaderCast uh, event that way. Thank you so much. It was great to be there. I, I, uh, I was on... Uh, all the feelings <laughs> for a week following the event. I, I, you could feel the energy in the room that day. So it was great to be there. It's great to be back here now. Yeah. So you're at Peloton HQ right now. Is that the deal? I am at HQ. Yeah. I uh, had a little bit of a power outage last night. And so okay. I rushed here to the studio this morning to make this happen. So we are, uh, we are being, this is uh, agility at its best. <laughs> <laughs> So you are lots of things. Uh, you're a Peloton instructor, obviously, and that has uh, created a gateway for you to have influence in the world and an author now and a speaker. Um, and uh, we'll get to like uh, before this is over, we'll get to some of what you're doing right now. But I, I would love to just kind of time travel back in time uh, to young Tunde. Uh, let's say when you were eight, nine, 10, 11 years old. Um, and what I like to find out first is sort of um, what were those things that were just brewing in your in your heart and soul as a young kid and how those uh, passions may have may have led you in a certain direction? Uh, I like to start with just sort of a pop culture question, if it relates to you. What was there like a, a story or a cartoon or a narrative or a book series, any sort of like story that captivated you when you were younger that you remember? Does the Little Mermaid uh, count? <laughs> um, yeah, sure I think, does. you know, like, the first part of your question, like the eight, nine, 10 year old tune day, like, what did I see? What did I think? One of my first thoughts was I said, I wanted to be a teacher. I think I said that in kindergarten. Yeah. And my dad said, no, you don't. You'll be overworked and underpaid. And I still to this day say, bless all the teachers, <laughs> coaches. Um, um, I also said in third grade, I said that I wanted to write a book. I didn't know what story I would tell, but I knew that I wanted to write a book. Uh, as I got a little bit older, I knew that I wanted it to be somewhat of a memoir, self-help type book. Um, I think that what's funny now is that, you know, again, my first thought was, hey, I want to be a teacher one day. So I guess, you know, if there was anyone that I idolized, it would have been my teachers growing up. Yeah. Um, maybe not somebody on TV, but the people that I saw every single day. Um, and so I laugh now because I was a, in the cosmetic world. I was an educator for 15 years. I traveled around the country training makeup artists on everything from their artistry skill to customer service skills. And so 
I now I, I train every single day by virtue of a bike and my book. And so ultimately I said, I, I, I said, I did what I said I wanted to do. I, I did it. I was I'm a teacher, um, but through, through a different lens, I think that innately we all no, we all have like that gut feeling of uh, that, uh, that, that thing that we know that we're supposed to do. And then the world steps in and the world tells us to be realistic. The people that we love the most, oftentimes in an attempt to protect us and do what's right for us, um, they shift us into a, a different narrative. I'm so grateful that I found my way back to my center. I'm so grateful that I found my way back to the course that I knew I was supposed to take. That's awesome. And you know, that's, that's been such a theme we just relaunched. And of the folks we've been talking to, it feels like uh, as a kid, we all kind of had an inkling of what we wanted, but exactly what you said. Sometimes it's, uh, it's folks telling us it's not realistic. And sometimes maybe we just have early failures and give up on it, you know? Um, yeah. It's almost like for those who pursue it, you end up receiving it, but in a totally different way than you would have ever expected. So like if, if little Tende could see you now riding the mm. bike and doing your thing, uh, I would assume she'd be a little surprised that that's the way it panned out probably. Right. Oh, for sure. I had absolutely no idea that it would be by virtue of a bike. Young Tunde was also not confident, overweight, low self-esteem. And so the fitness world in, in general wouldn't have necessarily been something that I expected. Yeah. Um, especially not, uh, in this, on this platform and on this stage. And so, yeah, I didn't know uh, that part of it. I didn't know, but it was the desire to lead. It was the desire to motivate people. It was the desire to give people or rather to provide a, a outlet for people to step into a better version of them, themselves. That's what I was attracted to. I knew that I was so inspired by my teachers because my teachers made me feel better. My teachers gave me something. Yeah. Um, and I, that's what I was drawn to. I wanted to be able to do that. Um, I didn't know, again, I didn't know what, what vessel I'd be doing it through. Well, before we jump forward a little bit, let's, let's camp out on a little mermaid for just a second. Cause you mentioned, <laughs> uh, that was one of your favorite stories growing up. Favorite movies. Yeah. I mean, you know, the fairy tale, little mermaid, Cinderella, probably beauty and the beast was like somewhere in there. There's like the fairy tale. Um, it's so funny because my teammate, Robin Arzon always speaks to, you know, be your own be, you know, these stories when you're growing up as a little girl, it's always the guy that saves the girl. Yeah. And it's like, ultimately became the story where the girl, like I saved myself. Um, and so I think, you know, I, I say that jokingly, but it, it's interesting to see how I kind of flip the narrative on that as yeah. well. Yeah. It's awesome. You shared the stage at Amplify with my friend Kay Cannon, who directed the Cinderella movie for Netflix. Uh, so with, cool. With uh, Camille Caballo. And uh, she did that. She flipped the script. And man, some people didn't like it, but it was uh, really cool to see her go for it. And yeah, let, Let's, mm -hmm. let's let the, let's let the female lead save the male, male lead for a change. Yeah. It's kind of fun. Yeah. Um, cool. Well, I would love to, uh, so I, I have a background actually as I, I, uh, I have a weird background, but for a while I did improv comedy with second city and that led to oh, wow. an acting, an acting career. Uh, you having never heard of me, that was the status of my acting career, but I did a lot of like <sighs> small parts and little movies and sitcoms and t commercials. And I, I have to tell you, like, this is this is just such a unique thing. The makeup chair is this weird 
place and where the whole community on set comes together. Um, and I, I had many experiences where the makeup artist was the one person on set that knew exactly what everybody <laughs> was feeling and thinking because you got to them. Yeah. I don't know if yeah. you did any movie or, or that kind of stuff when you were doing makeup, but did, could you talk about that for just a second? I just think it's such an interesting career path that I know ultimately led you somewhere else, but what, what did you learn in the, yeah, in the you know, but the thing about makeup is I'll speak even specifically to like a woman, you're seeing her bare, right? Mm -hmm. Like, for all intents and purposes, you're seeing her naked. You're seeing her in this vulnerable space that maybe she doesn't necessarily show everyone. There was, you know, many women that I spoke to that they said their husband hasn't even seen them without makeup on. And so when you're in someone's space and you're up close touching their skin, there's, it's, 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 there's like a, an intimacy or a vulnerability there. And so people oftentimes share it's like same kind of same kind of thing when you go to your hairstylist yeah. or your barber. Barber, um, you're in a space where you feel safe to share. And so, to your point of like, if you want to ever know what's going on on set, like the makeup artist knows exactly what's going on. I think that's so true. Um, in terms of like my role as a makeup artist, I got into makeup because I enjoyed gifting people with confidence. Hmm. I loved making people feel better. I'll never forget one of uh, my first clients. Once I moved to LA. Uh, she was a young girl, maybe 16 years old, um, and she was undergoing chemotherapy. And so she had lost her hair and she had lost her eyebrows. And she said, Tunde, I just want to know how to put my eyebrows and fake lashes, lashes on in the morning um, so that I can look and, you know, in quotes, normal. And I remember in that moment, I was like, this is why I'm in this space. This is what I'm supposed to be doing. And so I enjoyed being able to spend time with her um, and give her resources that made her feel good, that gave her confidence, gifted, gifted her with confidence. Um, and ultimately, again, it's still something that I do to this day. I clip in with people on a bike virtually and 30 minutes, 20 minutes later, they hate me, but they feel better. <laughs> you know, they hate me, but they feel better. Um, and so I'm still able to gift in that space. And now it's by virtue of my book, uh, speak and, uh, and my story. Yeah. The themes in your life are pretty, like you, you have a very good handle, I think on, I don't know, maybe writing your book might've helped with that, but I feel like, um, yeah. you've kind of already worked out. Oh, I see how my life has kind of led me here and how that those passions are still being used in different ways, right? Yeah. If you ever want to figure out things about your life, Joe, write a book. <laughs> you, <laughs> you write a book and you are forced to unpack. Can I say shit? I don't know if I cuss on here. You can bleep that out, but you, uh, you're forced to unpack all the stuff, like all the things that you compartmentalize or the things that you put away. And you said, okay, I felt that feeling. I'm done feeling that feeling. I don't want to feel that anymore. Let me put it in the door. Let me lock it. When you write a book, you have to go find the key, dig the key up, and then you unlock the door and then everything just comes rolling out because you're forced to remember or think about things that you haven't thought about in so long. And then not only are you thinking about those things, you have to explore those things in a deep way. What was the, what was the temperature like that day? What was I wearing that day? When that person said that thing, how did it make me feel? Wow. When that person said that thing, could they have possibly been coming from a point of view that I was not mature enough to a thought of, so you, you sit yeah, and you yeah. just, you think. And so, yeah, if you ever want to <laughs> self explore, discover, 
write a book. I, I have to confess, I, I, uh, I am not uh, currently a Peloton member. You can maybe sell me during this uh, podcast. Uh, but I, uh, so I didn't know who you were. And I was, uh, you know, we, we booked these speakers for these events. It's, it's actually quite competitive. A ton of people want to speak at LeaderCast. And agents are pitching me all the time. I promise you, I was getting dog food at Target. And I walked past the bookstore, the little book section at Target, and you had an end cap. And our theme was to find your voice, helping women. Wow. And I saw speak, and I was like, all right, universe, I'll look at this for a second. I read the first chapter, oh, standing, there, standing there at Target with my Purina dog chow. And, uh, and it was, I'm just so glad that that happened because I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't have found you at least this year that w without that. Um, but so on a very technical side, kudos to whoever did wow, your, your photo wow. shoot and your cover and the title of your book, Thank you it so really much. reflects Thank you. you and it reflects, uh, your story. Um, so, you know, this is, I got, it's, it's a weird opportunity I have to try to fill those roles out. And I'm so, so glad I needed dog food that day. It all worked out. Oh my God. It all worked out. I have chills as you were saying that. Thank you so much. And I mean, look, this is weird, but to even align it, my dog Caesar is an ambassador for Purina. Oh God. And you're holding Purina in your hand. Nice. Like well, that was the side. Yeah. So um, good. That's awesome. Okay. So I do want to get into a little, so we talk about, we talk about everything on this podcast in something that's close to my heart for years, which is like the hero's journey. And it's, it's also the heroine's journey, right? That's when, when, when someone is, in a normal world, and normal worlds may not feel normal to everyone, but to that person, that world felt normal. And, and someone comes along and invites them to an adventure. And they want to go and they know they've always wanted it. They always wanted to be a teacher. They always wanted to write a book. They always wanted to encourage people. What, you know, but there's, there's always going to be a dragon that stands in the way. Um, and we use that in kind of mythic language, but there's always going to be some, something that seems insurmountable to ever get to what they really want. And the hero usually gives, uh, or the mentor gives the hero a sword or something to, to destroy that dragon with. That's in The Little Mermaid. It's in all the movies, but we won't get into the details. But what I would, I know a little bit from what you said on stage with us, but um, what, what do you feel like was the biggest sort of dragon that you had to overcome to get to where you are today? What, what, what did you have to slay? Mm, myself. Yeah. Myself. My... Um... I don't know if I'd say it was my limited way of thinking, uh, imposter syndrome, me standing in my own way, um, my own doubt, my own fear, my own hesitation. Um, I think that whenever we are able to push ourselves, the, the voices in our head, I think the voices in our head, they have so much power because they stay in our head. And so those thoughts just keep circling on repeat over and over. And every time that that thought makes its way around again, it's strengthened and it gets stronger and it gets stronger and it gets stronger. It's not till we flush that thought out that we're able to actually move aside it or step away from it. Um, and so for me, it was me telling myself I wasn't worthy. Mm. Me telling, I mean, I think about even, yeah, I can, tell you the story of, you know, when I first had, the, I received this call mm -hmm. to be a, a cycling instructor. So I mentioned that I was a makeup artist for 15 years. I was traveling around the world doing makeup. It was my dream job. I drove my dream car and I lived in my dream neighborhood. 
on paper, my job was great. On paper, my life was great. And I hated it. Mm. I hated it. I hated my job. I hated where I was at in my life. And I always say that I had the audacity to admit that to myself. And I say I had the audacity because here I was, everything I asked for was there. It was all there. And here I was saying, I don't like this. Mm. I don't want this. I felt ungrateful. I mean, how many times are we in a job and we find ourselves in this job that we are not happy in? We find ourselves in this job that doesn't serve us. I had this moment where I stopped and said, do I actually want to be here? Or do I actually want this job or do I just like winning? Do I just like that I have this job mm. and I have this wow. title and I have these things and I didn't like the job. And I didn't care about the title anymore. I didn't want that anymore either. Yeah. And so I was in this space of uncertainty. I didn't know what I was supposed to do next with my life. So I go to New York. I live in LA at the time. <clears throat> I go to New York um, for a makeup gig. And I go to the gym in the hotel. And the hotel gym was like terrible. There was like a hula hoop and a broken <laughs> treadmill. No workout's going to be had there. Nothing of service. So I say, you know what? Kelly Ripp has been talking about cycling classes. I've never actually tried it, but she makes it seem like a nightclub. Let me go. I'm in New York and they have this studio there. I'll try it. $40 later, I'm judging myself. Water bottle towel shoes, $40 for a 45 minute workout. Are you kidding me? Who does this? Once I got past the initial state of shock, I'm sitting on the bike three minutes into the class. I'm in a state of euphoria. I leave the class 45 minutes later. I'm walking back to my hotel. My hotel turns into a skip. My skip turns into a hop. And I'm laughing and crying in one breath. And I'm laughing and crying in one breath because within a matter of five seconds, it's like this wave of blue energy moves through my body. It started in my fingertips. It moved its way down to my toes. And it's like this blue light flashes over my body. And within a matter of five seconds, I know that I'm going to be cycling for the rest of my life. This is after my first class. I know that I'm going to be cycling for the rest of my life. I know that I'm going to be teaching. And without even knowing what Peloton was, I never heard the thing. I knew that I was going to be on the world's biggest platform. And I was going to be able to impact the lives of tens of thousands of people by virtue of a bike. I was certain. It was so clear. And so I laughed and I cried because I knew that what I saw was, was real. And it was right. And it was clear. I was positive. And so... I say this whole, you know, I was in my own way because this moment happens, this divine download where I'm certain about something happens. And then I know that feeling to be real. I get back to LA and five or eight months pass. I tell my, I told two of my friends about this experience that I have. They said, you need this stuff's great. Go get your certification, become a cycling instructor. I think five months, my friend Max had been like, Tunda, are you going to go get your certification? Tunda, are you going to go get your certification? Finally, five months later, I go get my certification. My certification sits, I, I get the certification, it sits on a dresser for eight months collecting dust. Because that time I was telling myself, even though I had this divine download, I'd seen something so clearly, I told myself, you don't move like, walk like, talk like an instructor. Mm. You're not good enough. You're not fit enough. You have no experience. You have no competency in this. You're a makeup artist. This is what you do. It wasn't until I stopped believing that lie. You don't sound like, look like nobody motivated by you. It wasn't until I stopped believing that lie um, that I auditioned at a mom and pop shop. Uh, and that experience 
would change my life. That experience changed my life. That's a powerful story, Tende. Thank you so much for sharing it. And, and it's, it has to resonate as true to so many people. There's, you know, there's, there's part of every great story where we, we get a call to adventure to who we're really meant to be. And we, we always deny the call. It's too scary. Mm, and it's, too scary. it's just part of the story. It's like in our human DNA to do that mm-hmm. um, until someone calls us out or, or we call ourselves out, I guess, but. Empower yourself and your team to tackle some of the most difficult leadership challenges and grow professionally with LeaderCast Now. The LeaderCast Now app, an online platform, provide you access to more than 1,000 video lessons to help you navigate issues like change management, remote working guidelines, emotional intelligence, workplace conflict, negotiating, and more. Visit LeaderCastNow.com for more info. Was Max, mm-hmm. was Max kind of a mentor to you back then? Was he the one that ultimately kind of woke you up and said, you got to do this? I would say Max is, Max is and was and is a really good friend. He's like my brother friend. Um, I would say my mentor in, in that, we had a couple of mentors in that space. Um, one of them was uh, uh, someone who would become my teammate in that moment. And another, somebody who later became an instructor with me. Her name was Latasha. I would say another person, her name was Mimi Benz. She was, she gave me my first job at a cycling studio. Um, I remember after my audition, her husband was there and her husband comes up to me and I'm not supposed to know I, you know, have the job. There's supposed to be suspense. And they called me a week later that whole day, but he comes and he whispers to me after my audition and he says, she's going to have so much fun training you. And I remember in hindsight, looking back and even just in conversations I've had with her, she saw something in me that I didn't see in myself. She saw my sparkle. Mm-hmm. She, after my, after my audition, um, she saw in me something that, that I didn't see in myself. I mean, she, in many ways, made me the face of her brand, um, believed in me so much, poured hours and hours and hours into training me, correcting things. Don't say this, do say that, don't do this, do do that. Um, pull this part of your personal personality forward. Uh, it was somebody, uh, having a, a, a belief in me and, and taking a chance on me in many ways, you make this new girl, uh, a focus of your company. And so in many ways she believed in me and she took a chance on me. So great. I would say just from a little time we spent together and watching you, like it feels like your confidence and your charisma or charm or likability, like it's all, it's all just projects mm. immediately. And it's, it's so fun to think that there was an actual person pulling that out of you that you weren't, you know what I mean? Like that she saw that in you and she saw, um, I know the older I get, like the, I had lots of dreams in my twenties. I got a few of them, not all of them, you know what I mean? But the older I get, the more sort of fulfilling it is almost to call other people to that. And I know you do that every day as you, uh, yeah, yeah. I always say, be the light um, that sparks the flame in someone else. It's like, if you think of this all as like, uh, you, you have one match, there's a match. And then you light one candle and then you light one candle and you can light many candles, many wicks, right? From that same flame. And it's like, if your light is shining, why would you not share that um, with someone else? It doesn't deplete you. Um, yeah. 
your light still burns. And I, I, I try to practice that as often as I can, um, um, in this space that I'm occupying now, uh, not just as a woman, but also as a black woman in the wellness space, um, where primarily the seat hasn't been occupied by me. And so to be able to, um, bring other people into this experience that I'm having and this moment that I'm having. Um, it's so, it's so rewarding. Well, let's talk about that for a little bit while we kind of round things out. But the, so now I would, you're in a position of influence now on several levels, right? And, um, and I, I know you, you talked at, Ampl- at Amplified our events, some of how uh, you went through the Black Lives Matter movement and that kind of woke your voice up a bit. Um, yeah. And uh, you can talk about that if you want, but what I guess I'm most interested in is how are you currently dealing with sort of the amazing opportunity and sort of, uh, I don't know if it's pressure or responsibility, yeah. responsibility, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, with great, great power comes great responsibility to quote our friend, Spider-Man's uncle or whoever said that, but the, the, uh, <laughs> so now, you know, 10 years ago, you didn't wake up in the morning and tens of thousands of people cared about what you thought. So how, how, how does that feel day to day? What, how are you doing that? I mean, if I wake up and think about it like that every day, it's a lot of pressure, but ultimately I just, I try to lead with my heart. Um, I try to make decisions um, from my gut and I tell myself that if what I'm doing or saying, if it's on the back of love, then it can't be wrong. Hmm. Um, when I'm trying to make a decision, trying to decide what's the better play here, if you will, I played the love card. If what I'm doing or saying, if I can't decide what choice to make, which one is carried on love, which one's driven by love, which one's driven by ego. Hmm. Um, it doesn't mean that the two actually can't intersect, but I try to, to lead there. And then if I'm, if it's on the back of love, it can't be wrong. Even if it is wrong, it can't be wrong because really it's right. Yeah. Um, and, and so I live that way. Yeah. I, I, I try to just give myself grace. I'm a real being and a human person. You speak up about one thing. And then if you don't speak up about the next thing, then everybody's like, why aren't you saying anything about this thing? And it's like, because I'm a human being person <laughs> and Sometimes not speaking up about what you're not equipped to talk about is power in its own. I think oftentimes because people have a microphone, they use it and they say things and in saying things, they're misinformed or they don't have the right information. And then they're then sharing misinformation. Um, and so sometimes as a leader, I think your job is to sit back and listen and observe and be the one to ask questions um, mm. and so, yeah, so to, to finally answer your questions, I, I, I try to allow myself grace to know that I'm a human being and to what you kind of just alluded to, you know, uh, Peloton, I let this ride that was called, um, the speak up ride. 22,000 people took that class live when it happened. I think almost half a million of people have taken it now. It was right after the murder of George Floyd. Do you remember where we were, the space you were in, this country was in, um, hopeful and hopeless we were hopeful and hopeless in the same breath. Um, and I let this ride. I had no idea what it was going to be or what it was going to turn into or, or how people would receive it. I just knew that what I was saying was carry on the back of love. So even if I said the wrong thing, it couldn't be wrong because ultimately it was right. Mm. I had so many people reach out to me after that ride, specifically um, white men who said many 
who said today I did not take that class. Um, my wife made me watch that class though. And I found the term black lives matter offensive, incredibly offensive. And now, um, I get it. Mm. I see you black lives matter. I had white women who posted on their pages, many, many white women who DM me, but, uh, I think what was even louder was people who posted on their page for the public to see. And they said, Tunday, I've never taken your class before. Um, I've taken over 200 classes. I scroll past your face every single day. I've never stopped to take a class with you because we look different. And because we look different, I didn't think we'd have anything in common. Mm. And I complimented those women because I know the, the vulnerability it takes to say that publicly because people can then comment, right? Come after you, if you will. I said that in quotes. Um, so I complimented and I applauded those women. And I also said, if you wouldn't invest 20 minutes in me in a cycling class, cycling class, simply because we look different and then we thought we might not have anything in common. If you are in the position of hiring a company, would you hire somebody that looked like me? Would you give them an opportunity knowing that they might be there for two years or say 20 years? And so I asked them to recognize that type of bias um, because it's real and it exists. Yeah. And until you have that own, that conversation with yourself, till you have that conversation with yourself, we stay in the cycle. The cycle doesn't change. I think that perhaps we were all chosen to be in this moment collectively together, like this world. We just went through some of the most historic two and a half years ever. And we're still feeling the aftershock of it. And we went through it together. Yeah. What if we all went through it together um, intentionally to be the makers of great change together? That's really powerful stuff. It, it just is. Thank you so much for sharing it with our with our folks. And uh, hopeful and hopeless made. I definitely felt that way. George Floyd time. And on a yeah. even broader, I guess I feel that way a lot now overall, you know, mm. talking to, uh, on the hopeless mm. days when I get to talk to folks like you, the hopeful meter starts to go mm. up and take over the hopelessness. So, um, mm. and such a thing, Hey, we, we conclude with just a couple real quick questions and then I'll let you tell folks how they can get in touch with you if, if they want to. So uh, I make them up as we go based on what we talked about, but a serious, ah! question, a serious one and a fun one. So we start with the serious one. What's your advice around, uh, what's the first thing you would have someone do if they're struggling with their body image? Mm. Write it down. Write it down? Write it down. Yeah, write it down. Journal. Hear your voice. I think that sometimes it's so powerful to, even a week later, look back at the space that you were in. Because you won't be in that space forever. Um and your words have so much power. Mm. And sometimes it's good to just look back at the space. Also writing it down for me, writing is meditation. And so as I'm writing, I'm sometimes forming a plan. Um, and so just getting it out, speaking it out, I think yeah. is the first step, like get it out of you, get it out, get the feeling out. That's awesome. That's perfect. There's, there's a, a, a book, 
by Julia Cameron called The Artist's Way. It's like 30 years old. And it's exactly based on that kind of how mm. journaling gets gets it out. So then you can deal with it. And perfect answer. Okay, now the silly one. So uh, Disney calls and they're they're going to hire you to do a cycling class <laughs> just for the Disney princesses at Disney World. Okay. So all the princesses, uh, and maybe a prince or two. And what are the first two or three songs you play in your cycling cap? I knew you were going to go there. <laughs> Um, Beyonce would be there. Um, Ooh, God, this is very challenging. <laughs> Missy Elliott would probably be there. I love the red hot chili peppers. I love Rufus. Who's so this question is too challenging. I feel a serious one. Those are easier. <laughs> I don't know. I love music and my, uh, I'm, my taste in music is wildly eclectic. Yeah. And so I will literally play Drake and then I'll play Red Hot Chili Peppers and then I'll play Eminem. Like it's everywhere. Um, I cannot answer this question. Okay. Joe. This is a Gen Xer. I can applaud the Red Hot Chili Peppers. <laughs> That's great. There you go. Um, there you now, go. Okay. This, how can people get in touch with you? Get your book. What's, what's the best way to get to get, get to get to you, get to know you. Yeah. So my book speak, find your voice, trust your gut, get from where you are to where you want to be is available wherever you buy books as well as the audiobook is available as well. And then you can find me. Um, I'm mostly like, I don't know if I'm a terrible millennial. I'm mostly on Instagram. Uh, you can find me at tune number two, two day, tune two, two day. Awesome. I know you got to go to a class. So, uh, off you yeah. go. thank you so much. This was awesome. We'll talk to you again soon. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me, Joe. Okay, Great bye, to chat with everybody. Thank you. Bye. Leadership is a team sport, but team sports are hard. That's why our team is so passionate about helping companies and communities develop leaders and teams that trust each other to do the hard work together. One of the easiest ways to develop your teams and leaders is to stream a half-day or full-day LeaderCast event for your workplace or community. World-class content that is thought-provoking and activating. Visit us at LeaderCast.com to find out more.